Well, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Awesome. Well, hey, we are continuing uh, this second week uh, in a series we've been doing called Lessons Learned in Quarantine. And uh, this all kind of came out of, you know, because, man, during hardship, during hard times that, you know, God wants to form stuff in us, even in the midst of the toughest times. And so I think one of the big parts of the spiritual life is even during tough times to pay attention to what the Lord is showing, what the Lord is forming in you in, in tough times. And so that's kind of how this series uh, kind of formed about as we had discussions about what God is showing us and forming in us. And so. Uh, exactly. And uh, last week, Van and Jonathan kicked it off. And if you remember at the very beginning, they used memes because those are always fantastic. Which I, I got to say something about this. I, I was actually at the uh, Newton campus, which hello, Newton campus. We love you guys. Um, you're watching and with us right now too. I was at the Newton campus last week and I remember sitting there thinking, does the Newton campus think we're funnier than the Effingham campus does? Because they were like laughing like crazy. I'm like, are Jonathan and Van just funnier than we are? Or <laughs> do they just have a better sense of humor there? I'm not sure, but I was like, they were really laughing. So like, hey, kudos oh, to you guys. You guys, you guys are in and of itself. laughing no, really no, hard. They're not. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, obviously we're funnier. Come on. <laughs> well, we'll I guess we'll see. We'll, we'll see, won't we? <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, we will, because we decided to do our own memes. How about that, everybody? Yeah. Come on, a little excited here this morning. <laughs> You're always excited about we decided memes, They're going to show memes, too. Like, Come we on. should be able to kind of follow in suit, so there are several that we wanted to show, too. So uh, the first one, which you should be able to see, is, uh, you know, just you got to laugh to hold the tears back. And so literally, this is laughing at Corona memes be like, in February, March, last week, this morning, a little later this morning. <laughs> it's just slowly getting less and less funny as time goes on. Like, it's just, we're all getting tired of it. Exactly. So, okay, so then the next one, I love this one. This is funny. Where a time traveler's talking to somebody from today, and they say, so how's 2020 going? And they're like, oh, I'm staying inside so I don't get COVID-19. And then the time traveler says, but it immunizes you against COVID-20, or as we call it, the zombie virus. And they're like, the what? <laughs> little, little look into the future of what's to come. You thought it couldn't get worse, but it actually does. Zombie virus. Well, we didn't want to just talk about COVID, though. Of course. Of course. We, got, we, got other, we got other memes. Yes. So why don't you go ahead and start? Yeah, because uh, the topic that we're talking about today is uh, last week, Van and Jonathan talked about the value of care. Of just in the midst of hardships and stuff like that, uh, you know, just reaching out and, and, and showing that care to people who are struggling, especially during hard times. And so today we're actually talking about the value of conversation. As we've been isolated from each other, as we've been separated from each other, the value of being able to have meaningful face-to-face -face conversations. And so we had memes around that. And this is where we take a step up and beat them in their own game. Yes. Here we go. So this one, I, you know, the, I know a lot of people are like this. When you have no idea how to end the conversation, you know, just... Drop to your knees and roll away. I figured that's how I would end my sermon. I'd be like, well, that was our final point. <laughs> Just I'm, roll, not so roll sure off stage. I'm not so sure it's different than usual, but anyway. Yeah. That's how I'm going to end all my sermons from now on. How about on. this one? This, uh, now, this isn't a meme, but I thought was, this is the nicest conversation we've had in weeks. Let's not spoil it by talking. <laughs> that is so true, especially yeah. in restaurants. But as, anyway, go ahead. Next one. This is, uh, this is my wife. Uh, when two quiet people try to make conversation. <laughs> Any introverts in the room, you're just like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to be left alone. How about this one? This is me running away from conversation. <laughs> That's 
totally true, and I do resemble a chicken at times. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and next one. Oh, no, this is yours. Oh, this is mine. <laughs> I hate the part of the conversation where the other person says things. <laughs> you ever do that? So, yeah. I thought that was hilarious. You ever do that in conversation where, like, the other person's talking, but you're not actually listening to what they're saying, you're just thinking about what you want to say next? That's the extrovert. Like, my wife is, like, deep, meaningful, like, really wants to hear me and understand me and understand my heart. And I'm just, like, I'm just waiting for you to stop talking so I can start talking again. Like, that's the way an extrovert is. Yeah, so anyway. Is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's very true. Do we have another? Is that it? No, that, that was it. Oh, my goodness. Well, we raised the game there, didn't we? Give us a hand. I mean. Thanks, guys. When it, <laughs> when it comes to searching for memes on the Internet, yeah. you and I have got that skill. Yeah, well, there's okay. a lot of interesting ones we saw. <laughs> A lot, of, a lot of swear words. Lots. Like, yeah, no, we're not going to use any of these. I don't think we should use that for <laughs> yeah. church. Um, Careful what you search. Actually, uh, this is, we, we kind of split up the, these topics in the, in the sense of talking to all four of us, Jonathan and Van and Tyra and myself, and kind of saying, now, which, what, it, what have you really learned during the quarantine? And so this is kind of my topic, if you will, in the, in the sense of this is what I brought to the table, which is about conversation. And so you say, what about conversation? Well, that's just it. I think what I've learned in quarantine is how important conversation actually is and also how important it is that it's done right. And, and what here's what really got me thinking where, was a verse like this in Psalm 90, verse 12. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. Mm-hmm. Or, or in this verse here too, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 16. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. I, I don't know why, but it just hit me like a ton of bricks during this last, last few months of how finite we really are, of how limited we really are, and how our days are numbered. Mm-hmm. And, and because of that, I wonder how much time do I spend in doing things that are productive? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'm not talking about just getting things done. I'm talking about building relationships with people. Doing things that matter. Like doing that things that matter. That ha- yeah, exactly. That have some meaning. And so, and it, it's so vitally important because we've missed some of the conversation because of all this quarantining. Yeah, and I think that something that we often take for granted, especially during the time when we were sheltering in place and stuff like that, like I realized how often I took just the general ebb and flow of relationships for granted until much of that was taken away. Like, just even face-to-face conversation. I mean, yeah, we can talk. Technology is an amazing thing. I love technology. There's so many amazing things that we can do through technology, um, but it's limited. Like, as I think, like, many of the meetings that we weren't able to have because we couldn't meet in the office or couldn't be face-to-face, of course, there's things like Zoom and FaceTime and you know, all that type of thing, but it's not quite the same, that it's different, that not being able to have face-to-face conversation, that there is so much missed when you're not having face-to-face conversation. I remember this was years ago, like this isn't even around necessarily the pandemic stuff, but years ago I remember reading an article that was talking about how, I think it was something like 92 or 93 percent of communication is nonverbal. Meaning that it's not about the words you say, but it's about the tone of voice, the facial expressions, your posture toward the person, the context in which you're saying that. And so much of that nonverbal communication is taken away 
when you're not able to be face-to-face. In fact, there was something that uh, just happened this uh, last, or it was a, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago. Uh, my dad is supposed to have, uh, was supposed to have back surgery back in July, and, but because of COVID stuff and all that type of thing, uh, it ended up getting pushed, canceled, kind of, you know, how that thing has been kind of happening too. And so, because we thought that they're going to kind of be out of the picture for a little bit because they had to travel to a different place to get the surgery and stuff. And so uh, we were, were planning on not seeing them for a while, like weeks, like six weeks or something like that. And so whenever I found out that it had been canceled, I texted my mom, you know, the good son that I am, I text my mom and I'm like, hey, since you guys aren't going to be gone, do you want to take the kids overnight at some point soon? And uh, of course, my mom, she sends the facepalm emoji, you know, where it's like the hand slapping the face. And then she like did the little laughing thing at it. And I remember whenever I saw it, I was like, did you just facepalm seeing your own grandchildren? And so like, I'm like, I'm like, okay, like maybe I misunderstood, maybe... And so I asked her, I was like, did you just facepalm and then laugh at facepalming your own grandchildren? Anyway, we ended up talking on the phone, and once I said, I was like, why did you facepalm seeing the girls? And she's like, oh, that's what that means? <laughs> she didn't even know what the facepalm emoji meant. It's like that, I don't know if you've seen that meme where it was talking about like a mother and son texting each other, and they're like, oh yeah, grandma's in the hospital, LOL. And the person's like, like mom, you know that means laugh out loud. And she's like, oh no, I thought it meant lots of love like, no, it meant grandma's in the hospital. I'm laughing out loud because of it. It's like, clearly there's misunderstandings there, which caused me to be like, well, you don't want to see your grandkids? Of course, I was being a little selfish because I'm wanting a night off. Um, But still, like, it shows how quickly missing even those important, you know, kind of nonverbal parts of face-to-face conversation can mean something. I'm sure my family has no idea what I'm talking about because I always pick the least likely used emoticon, period, just because I think I feel, I feel like they get lonely. They don't get used very much, so I use those. It <laughs> doesn't yeah, matter what I'm saying. Exactly. No, I, I have to disagree with you on this. I don't think 93% of communication is nonverbal. According to my wife, it's 100%. <laughs> so she, does she read into things you say? Oh, oh my goodness. See, my, my wife, I mean, a lot of you know Charlotte, but uh, she has— If a, she's watching online, I'm so sorry. <laughs> she is watching online, <laughs> and I'll have to watch what I have to say. No, uh, she, she actually has hearing aids, and so she can't— she really depends on look, watching oh, you and yeah. watching your lips and, and all sorts of... So I, it doesn't matter what I do or what kind of motion I make or expression I make. She's already got me figured out. She's like, what, what did that tone mean? And I have no idea what, what she's talking about. And I'm like, what do you mean I said this? I didn't say anything. She, oh, you said it. Yeah. Well, I, I didn't say She's anything. like, oh, you said everything you needed to say. And you're like, what? I, what? I didn't do anything. I... I, I I'm not even sure what it was. I think I had some indigestion as though I was thinking, you know, like, I had bad pizza last night. I'm not sure what kind of facial expression yeah. I, was, I was making. But, yeah, I'm, it's so important to have face-to-face conversations. And I think that um, so, some things I've really gleaned from Scripture, here's the first one, that gracious conversation is vitally needed. Now, I, I, I'm not saying this just in the sense only culturally. I, I, this comes from the Scripture. Let's look at Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of time. Let your speech, listen, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. I, I don't know about you, but I, one th- another kind of sub-point here, if, if you will, of what I've learned is that... Uh, one of, the thing I, I, one of the things I really love on YouTube right now is there's some uh, uh, these music videos that are going on that 
church leaders from all over the place, different cities and even countries have put together singing the blessing song, the blessing. Oh, yeah, the, blessing. Like the Levitical, Levitical blessing. Yes, that from Numbers like 24, yeah, yeah, or yeah, 6, yeah. 24 through 26. Yeah, yeah. May this Lord, Lord's face shine upon you. And they sing, there's a song that's out now, and they, they sing that, and they started singing that over as a blessing or prayer for their town or for their country. Yeah, they're like singing it over like the whole city or yeah. the whole nation. Or And you can find... It and it's all caught, over the world. It it's caught not, fire, so it's all yeah. over the world. And so you see these different videos. And I was watching one part of the song that's part of the scripture, the numbers uh, of this blessing that God actually uh, taught them, was, was uh, taught his people, was this. He said, I am for you. I am for you, not against you. And that just kind of sunk into me like, if there's anything I need nowadays is somebody to be for me, hmm. not against me. The world is against us. It's stacked against us in so many ways. And so how desperately do we need each other in each other's corner? Does that make sense? We need to be for each other. And so in thinking about that, I learned that in looking at this, this passage, that that, if, that means our conversations. Our conversations need to be gracious. Think about this for a second. Nowadays, every opinion just explodes onto the scene now. In fact, we have a hard time having conversation that is gracious in our society today. We have exploding conversations, a lot of which are one-sided. We even take things that, I, I'm just being honest here, and I think you, a lot of you would agree with me. We even take words that didn't mean anything a few months ago, and now they mean all sorts of political things, political ramifications, or some sort of like dividing line. Let me give you a for instance. How about the word mask? Oh, yeah. We, we've turned the word mask into fighting words. Mm. It doesn't make any sense to me. I'm, I'm just being honest. I'm just throwing this out here. It doesn't make any sense to me of how we can have exploding conversations over a face mask. And, and this, is some, this is something that, uh, for those of you who were at the worship on the lawn, this was back maybe almost a month ago, um, that this was something that the Lord had just put really heavy on my heart, is uh, a, a dismay and concern about the division in our country, but more specifically, because I'm, I'm, I'm seeing things through the, the eyes of a pastor, division in the church over things like this. And, our, you know, our prayers back then had been for just as Jesus and the Father were one, that we would be one with them and that there would be a unity. And, of course, unity doesn't mean uniformity. It doesn't mean that we all have to be carbon copies of each other. In fact, I had a professor in college who would always say, which this was in the context of marriage, but I honestly think it applies in any situation, that if there are any two people who agree on absolutely everything, one of them is not necessary in their relationship. That unity doesn't mean uniformity. And so in the midst of this, you know, because, I mean, you probably notice that, you know, some of our volunteers are wearing masks and things like that. And it's like, it's hard because in the midst of this is cases are trending up and, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty and fear and stuff like that of us putting some precautions in place. And the responses we receive in the midst of that on both sides, people upset that anybody is wearing masks people being upset that not everybody is wearing masks and so we find ourselves in the place of like and our teams talking like 
this is not a political thing to us. We're not trying to make a statement. We're, we're just trying to figure out in a very confusing situation how best to love our people, the, God, you know, the people that God has entrusted to us, to, to love them well. And so even this week, as you know, we feel some of that and feel the division and feel the uncertainty, and you see things posted on social media, and it's like my heart is grieved by that of seeing like the enemy is using this to drive a wedge in the church and to get us focused on things that matter less than what matters most. And so I'm just, this, this, this week we just, we spent hours talking and, and seeking the Lord of like, God, like speak to us, Spirit, lead us on what we're supposed to do in the midst of this. And I felt like God spoke a very specific word to me, and I wanted to, this is not going to be on the screen or on the slide, sorry, I, did, I don't think I actually shared this with you. Um, something that I felt like the Lord shared with me around this type of thing. Uh, I felt like the Spirit shared with me in Ephesians 6, uh, verse 10. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Now, here it is, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That means that flesh and blood person who wants to wear a mask, not your enemy. That flesh and blood person who wants, you know, or doesn't want to wear a mask, not your enemy. That is not our enemy. He goes on, he says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And I felt like the thing that the Spirit spoke to me, and I want the church to hear. He who has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying to the church right now. Don't listen to the accusations of the enemy. The name Satan, it's actually not his name. It has kind of become his name, but it's actually from Job. It's a title, Hasetan in Hebrew, means the accuser. And so Satan, he likes to whisper accusations in our ears. That person over there, they're selfish. They only care about themselves. That person over there, they're scared. They're a sheep. And we hear them, we're like, yeah, oh yeah, that, that's right. And then we get all up in arms and we get all angry at each other. And the whole time there are people going to hell and we're worried about a stupid piece of cloth. Can we put this stuff to rest, guys? Can we be done with this? You can have your opinions. It's okay. We can differ. We can have conversations. That's what the whole point of this. We can have conversations about it. But in the end, bear with one another in love. Show compassion. Show mercy. Don't let this be a thing that divides the church or the devil is winning right now. Okay? Can we do that? Talk to each other. Assume the best about each other. See, that's where the accusations of the enemy come, is he whispers things so that you assume the worst about the other person, their motivations, or why they're doing it. But most people I've talked to on multiple sides of the matter, they have very good reasons why they're doing what they're doing. They're not trying to be selfish. They're not trying to be cavalier, that they have real reasons why they're trying what to do, and they're worth listening to. They're worth having conversations about, so that's what I encourage you to do. And this is even something in the midst of this that I feel like I learned about gracious conversation is it requires listening just as much as talking, asking questions, seeking to understand, never assuming, instead of saying, you did this or you did that, saying, hey, help me understand 
help me understand why you take that view. Help me understand why you take this view. And then again, unlike me, don't just think about what you say while they're talking until they stop talking. Actually listen to what they say. There's a couple verses I just want to put up real quick. In James 1, 19, uh, the brother of Jesus writes this. He says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Proverbs 18, 13 says, to answer before listening, that is folly and shame. Because we're all, you know, we hear things and we're like, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, then my point, yeah, but, then my point. It's like, the yeah means nothing. Like, I'm not even actually listening to you. I'm just waiting to make, make my point. Yeah, but. In fact, there was a, a quote I heard of a pastor who had said, uh, when someone is in pain, listen with two ears. Imagine using one ear to hear what the person is saying and use the other ear to, he to hear what God says to you about it and that he might want to say through you. That's the importance of listening because God is, in a sense, being involved in this conversation of how can God maybe speak to me to where I learned, but then even God can speak through me to minister to this person. I want to, before we go on to the next point, I want to bring up that Colossians passage again, if we can, because I want to break that down a little bit more, just real quickly. It says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. You know, what that means is this, is that, that we, are to, we are to serve one another in conversation with gentleness and respect. Gentleness. So that to season a conversation with salt, to be gracious in conversation, is to be a person who is li a listener, but it's also to be a person who doesn't necessarily assume motive. We talked about that already. But also it means to be gentle. Yeah, I think the one thing in our culture is that we lack gentleness and respect right now. And that's something that is obviously in the scripture when it comes to the speech that will be, be coming from our mouths. Our second point is this, and I'm sure a lot of you would agree with this, words can make or break people. They really can. I mean, look at Ephesians chapter 4, 29 to 32. I love, I love, uh, I, I wanted to recite a lot more than just these, these verses, but let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, mm. along with your malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. What I really learned in, in, as, I, as I was diving into this topic and thinking through it is this, is I can't, going back, I'm ashamed of how I've used some of my words to really tear people down. Mm. And, and I, I think to myself, here's the truth, and the truth, this is the truth, the people I hurt the most with my words are the people that are closest to me. They, they, they may know me, they may love me, but that doesn't mean that my words still can't hurt. Mm. Now it says that, would you, do you really want to build someone or destroy someone? And the scripture makes it clear. And here's the thing, 
it says that we are supposed to be kind and tender-hearted and forgiving one another and not coming out of anger or malice. It is so true. I mean, Jesus said that what's in here is going to come out here. What comes out here reflects what's in here. Mm. So with that being the case, then anger and the things that we're dealing with in our life, that's got to be a core issue. Because that's going to affect our conversation. Well, it's interesting because even in that Ephesians 4 passage a little bit further down, it warns against things like coarse joking and things like that. And, man, I hate, I, I feel like sometimes I want to, like, avoid that part of the scripture because I feel like uh, from my personality, many of you, you know me, um, that I'm a person who likes to joke, likes to, uh, I can be sarcastic and things like that. When sarca- sarcasm is not aimed at someone, it can be funny. And that's typically my heart when I'm sarcastic is to make someone laugh or to make light of a situation, to bring some levity. Um, But I think one downside of having a wit like that is that it can very easily get targeted at someone. And I feel like this is hard, especially with my family and with my kids where, you know, something happens, the kids are fighting, so and so, you know, Lissy hit me, and I'm like, well, why did you hit her? And it's like, well, she said something mean to me, and then I'm like, well, that must make it okay then. Like, I say something really sarcastic, and then I realize sarcasm doesn't help in those situations. Oftentimes, it's very biting. It's very condescending. It makes the other person feel foolish, and I feel like that's something that I, like, I very much have to guard my heart against because even the tone of my voice, because my girls are of an age, they're almost six, where they don't even quite understand sarcasm yet. So I say something, and they hear my words, but they don't understand my tone, and so they, they're confused by it. By He's like, he's saying one thing, but the tone seems to indicate something else, but I don't fully understand it yet, and I'm like, I'm not, I'm not loving them well whenever I'm sarcastic with them, and that's something I have to train in my own heart. And so something I actually had read a while ago, which I thought was a really cool filter through which to view all of the things you say to anybody in any situation, is to ask three questions of everything. Just a real quick filter in your head. When, you at, when you're going to say something, to ask three questions. Is it true? Is it necessary? And is it kind? And I think you need to be able to say yes to all three of those things before you speak it. Because oftentimes we're like, well, no, it's true and it's necessary, and so I'm going to blast the person. And the truth is when we're unkind, we're, I mean, it's saying be kind to one another, forgiving one another as Christ did, you know, God did in Christ, that when we're unkind, we may win the argument, but we lose the person. That there's wounds that are put there that are not always seen, not always even recognized by the person themselves and can fester and lead to bitterness and relational problems down the road. And so for me to say, okay, this thing I'm going to say, is it true? Is it necessary? Am I the one that has to say this? Or maybe it's better for them to hear this thing from someone else. And then finally, is it kind? Can I say it in a way that hopefully they'll receive it and maybe they still won't even receive it then? And if that's the case, I mean, that's then on them and, because I've done everything I can to posture my words in a way that will love them well. Kindness is very rare. Yeah, more rare than we would like it to be, I would hope. And I, I guess when I think of this passage, I think that the reason we're not kind so many times is because we're still dealing with anger and bitterness. Bitterness leaks into her words. That's my problem. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. Things I keep holding on to leak into my conversation. Things that I, I just can't seem to get over And that's just it, is that people who follow Jesus are people who seek 
hopefully, seek Jesus. And in seeking Jesus, that means repentance. It means change. That means... So I, maybe one, one way to show that as a Jesus follower is today. Maybe one time today, you give yourself a goal at least once today to build somebody up kindly, encouragingly with your words today. And maybe your spouse or one of your kids, start there. Mm. And, and we, I, you would think, well, I do that all the time. But do you? I, think, I, I just think it's amazing when I look at my own self how I can go days maybe without encouraging someone because I'm, I'm so self-centered. Mm. I'm so self-focused you know, in dealing with the things that Paul talks about in Ephesians. This, this, last, uh, this last point we want to make this, this morning is this. I think you feel this probably just like I feel this, I'm guessing, is our world desperately needs hope. We desperately need hope. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, In your hearts honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone for the reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Mm. <laughs> there it is again. But Peter says a little bit earlier in, that, in, in chapter 1, he says that Jesus Christ is our living hope. When he uses the word hope a lot, he's referring to Jesus himself. And so in, in, if, you, if you think of 1 Peter 3 then, in light of 1 Peter 1, then you have to say that to honor Christ, the Lord is holy, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. It's not just the hope that I have for heaven or the hope that I have for tomorrow or the fact that I'm just an optimistic person, but it's for the reason, for the re the reason why I follow Jesus. The reason why Jesus is in my life. I, I really believe this, everyone. As Christians, it's amazing how we can go in conversations with people, face to face, day in and day out, and not talk about Jesus. Hmm. It's amazing to me. I mean, he, he's, he's our life, right? He, he's the one that has come to this world to save us from our sins. He's the one that went to the cross. He's the one that came out of the grave. He's the only reason why you and I are even breathing. The scripture says he's the one that holds all things together in the entire universe, but yet he cannot be a subject off our lips. I remember I had a, I had a friend one time who used to come up to me and he would say, how are you and Jesus doing? Hmm. I love that. I loved it and I hated it. <laughs> I loved it because he was reminding me of what's important yeah. in one sentence, one question. But I hated it because I knew where my heart was at that moment, and I didn't know how to answer. It's like you want to get to the point to where at any given point, if someone were to ask that, you know how to answer it because that's the thing that you're focusing on. Because there's like a, a devotional that I use on a, a pretty regular basis, and it has kind of these like intro and closing prayers. And I love how some of them are worded, because some of them are like old, old-timey type prayers that, man, have like huge theological truths in them. And which I'm paraphrasing the one I'm about to say because I don't have it right in front of me. Uh, but there was one where it was like the closing prayer had something, something along the lines of it. it was like asking God as I go about like these temporal things, like the temporal tasks of my day that I don't lose the eternal meanings in them or, or, or something like that, where it's like so easy for us to get caught up in the day-to-day -day that we actually lose the eternal perspective, mm -hmm. that we forget that, I mean, it's just, it's easy 
easy to get in the mundane day-to-day schedule. And then you realize that hope, it's almost like your hope bucket has a little bit of a leak in the bottom of it. And it's slowly leaking out, slowly draining out. And so it's like we have to be diligent about, i got to refill that hope bucket. We need to talk to each other and remind each other what the Father's business is. I love when Jesus said that. 12-year-old kid, he said, don't you know I have to be about my Father's business? And so it's like that's the mindset we have constantly like, hey, like you even saying, like, how are you and Jesus doing? And I think I've told this story before. I had a professor uh, in college that, and this was just how he did small talk. He would take it very, very deep, very quickly. Instead of being like, you know, oh, Jim, how are you doing? Good to see you. He'd be like, oh, Jim, how's your soul? And then you're just like, you almost like cringe, like, oh, I don't. I don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> I've not been thinking about how my soul is. But it's, it's just like that question, how are you in Jesus? It's asking that same question of, am I, am I thinking of eternal things? Am I looking inward to consider the state of my soul, how my relationship with Jesus is, and for that to be a, a continual thing so I don't lose the internal, eternal important things throughout the day? Here's why that is so important. It's because we are talking about day-to-day, aren't we? And if we are Christians, we're following Jesus then he's not just this hope-so hope that we have. Well, maybe, maybe he might, you know, help me out in life. Maybe he might give me heaven. No, we believe it just like the scripture talks about, like Paul talks about in that, I know he's real. I know. I believe in the gospel, in the good news of the gospel And if I can't bring that hope to my life every day because Jesus is my hope, then how in the world, I mean, it's not going to, that's what's got to filter into our conversations because our world so desperately needs Jesus. It doesn't need some sort of political answer. Mm. Our world so desperately needs Jesus. It doesn't need even for us to be right about everything. Our world desperately needs Jesus. Mm. And, we, and we say that we believe that, but yet we don't talk about it. Mm. I, I really, last, last little thing for me anyway, uh, as we close, is I, I, I've, I've, I've heard some really good people, some friends of mine who have said to me, Darren, if you really want people to know you're a Christian, then they need to see the example of your life. They don't need to hear it from your mouth. When someone said, live, like, that's your best sermon, is living. And if you have to, use words. I believe that. I, 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 I think that I understand that. But at the same time, I, I've never had anyone who became the Christ because I kept my mouth shut. Hmm. In other words, I, I, I can't help it. It's like, it's like what uh, Jeremiah says. Like, it's like fire shut up in my bones. And at some point, my mouth is going to talk the things that are in my heart. And that, I think, is our biggest problem in our world. Our hearts are really messed up, aren't they? So what about your heart? What's coming out of your mouth? Does Jesus ever, his name ever grace your lips with other people? Because you just can't help it good I think that's the final word bro want to pray all right I'm gonna roll off the stage now <laughs> <laughs>
why don't you go ahead and close us in prayer. All right, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to have conversations today in some ways. And Father, I, I pray that you will help us really to take a closer look at our, our own hearts, our own lives. Uh, I know I'm asking for that, Lord. I'm asking for that personally uh, because I, uh, I hurt from my own bitterness. You know, I hurt from my own, my own heart that is heavy over things that I can't even control. So, Father God, I pray that you will help me seek Jesus on a daily basis, that you'll help his, his, his name be on my lips. Father, thank you for the hope we have in him. And, Father, I pray that I might leave here as an encouraging person, gracious in conversation. And, Father, we just, we just thank you and we praise you for uh, the opportunities uh, that we have to even gather together as believers. And we praise the name of Jesus, and it's all for his glory. We all said this in the name of Jesus. Amen.